My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm -hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot. Patriots, and today is Tuesday, January 16th in the year 2024. Apologies for the late start today. We had an internet down. It went down late last night and didn't come back up until shortly after 7 and with all the work I was doing to get the internet thinking around with that, I pushed the show just one hour later, so it's all good. Before we get going today, remember that this internet down like we had here, if you looked, it was a complete outage across Oregon along with power outages. We are dealing with some crazy times, whether it's weather, extremes, we have grid down issues, we have power surges, we have solar flares going on, lightning strikes, and we have to never forget the 
tools of war that these people like to use, and one of those would be an EMP. So do prepare yourself. Take this time seriously. This is not a time to be lax or slack in what we do. EMPshield.com, EMPshield.com offers the best protective devices for our systems. Now, whether we like it or not, we are dependent on computers. We are dependent on computer processors. We are dependent on microprocessors of all kinds throughout our entire house and our lifestyles. The EMP Shield works to deal with those sort of oversurges that can cause damage to those systems and then obviously leave us paralyzed in a technological society, which is exactly what these psychopathic elites would like to do. I, I need to restate that these psychopath pedophile elites uh, would do. So take advantage of the connection we have with EMP Shield. Head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. That'll give you $50 off and free shipping on every unit. And I would really recommend that you get a few of these devices. It's You're going to need one for your vehicle. They have them for your ATVs, your RV, your whole house systems, which is fantastic. Um, your solar systems, if you have those, if you have standalone generators or even ham base stations, they have these devices for all of that. And they're great insurance. And in a time like this, whether we like it or not, with the instability, especially just with the instability of the grid, the sort of power back surges that can happen are pretty incredible. So head on over to empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Take advantage of the discount. This is $50 off and free shipping and get those in your life today. Really important policy. So just on that, just as I'm talking, I'm remembering this story when I was over in Gardez in, uh, in Afghanistan. And all these bases work on generators, which is another ridiculous format we did. We actually built bases that worked on diesel generators. And then when we left, the Afghans couldn't afford the diesel. So they just the diesel infrastructure that we built just died off. And the Afghans went back to doing what they did before. So it's really kind of lots of this. No, your taxpayer dollars were well wasted. Just want you to know that. But that said, we were at one of the bases. And fortunately, I had gone out. On a, on a um, mission, I was over on the Pakistan border, and I came back to discover that the uh, KBR, which was one of the big subcontractors or contractors for infrastructure over there, had been doing some work on at the base, Gardez, and they'd been working on the generator. These are powerful generators, huge generators. And they didn't give people a heads up into the type of restart that they were doing, and they pushed back through the system high voltage power through the system. And I can't remember the level, but it was extreme. Well, most people didn't have their laptops hooked up to a true surge protector. You can get power strips, that's different, but a true surge protector. And it was so powerful, it literally threw dozens of what we call bee huts, the, the constructed places where people were living, fried the electronics. It was unbelievable, what a mess. And especially when you're in the middle of Afghanistan, you don't get repairs quickly, and you don't get Amazon next day, just so you know. Just in case you were confused, Amazon Prime doesn't deliver to the middle of Afghanistan. It does not. Patriots, I want to begin this morning with a really good piece from Doc Pete Chambers. And actually, this was posted um, a bit ago, and it's so it's not entirely new, but it is a very powerful piece that I think is... is uh, and I say a bit ago, it's actually it's posted on my birthday. Thanks, Pete. Seriously, this is January 11th. So I want you to hear this. I think it has a great perspective of where we'll begin today. So take a listen. An intercessory letter to America. 
Fellow citizens and compatriots, we are besieged on all sides by dark forces of evil. We, the people, have sustained continual bombardment of tyranny and have maintained our honor, prestige, and esprit de corps. The enemy has demanded a surrender of Lady Liberty and her children. Tyrannical actors have tortured and oppressed us without cause, without mercy, and without reprieve. We have been isolated, lied to, threatened, mocked, dominated, and we've been degraded, and we have been controlled and imprisoned by fear. We've been maimed, mutilated, and murdered without remedy or recourse. As for Lady Liberty, she's now being sold as a slave to pay debts of her tormentors and torturers. She's weak and she's weary, but she's not broken yet. She endures and she waits with anticipation for her sons to realize what has befallen her and rally to her aid. She cannot endure much longer. She has survived, but she must be rescued before she's lost. Lady Liberty earnestly exhorts her sons to reclaim peace, order, and justice. She implores her sons to rescue, redeem, and restore her. For it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We, the sons of God, shall never surrender nor retreat. We were reminded of a time when Americans understood sacrifice and exuded love for their brothers and sisters. There was a time when brothers banded together and stood obedient to the Father's laws. The sons of God must invoke the laws of nature and of nature's God. It's a time for the remnant to rise. It's a time for the remnant to stand. It's a time for the remnant to return. And I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. For if this call is neglected, we are determined to sustain ourselves as long as possible and act like soldiers who never forget what is due to our honor and that of our country, victory or death. Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, the Remnant A Team, commanding. P.S. The Lord is on our side. Who you were yesterday and who you are today will not be able to keep you from who you are tomorrow. Tomorrow is its own day. When you get there, glorify the kingdom and make it count. I think that last piece is extremely important. I mean, the whole piece is great, but I think the last perspective is something we forget too often, all of us. We're into a society of planning and a society of trying to make our next steps known. And if we really are going to be honest with ourselves, the only next steps that are truly real are that of what God leads us to. It's a difficult place to shift to. And I'm finding myself lately with all this, with all the nonsense going on, and there's a lot of it. There is a real tendency for us to go forward and to try to plan ahead. And it's, it's natural. I don't want to say it's not. But the problem we're having is we're in a war that's highly dynamic, and it's a spiritual war at its center. And so in a spiritual war that's highly dynamic, there's only one source of knowledge, and that's our Father, Father God. And that means in the reset of that, we have to keep ourselves completely focused and in prayer and walking us in and being obedient to where he needs us to walk. This is very much at the center of a lot of martial arts training, in particular some of the training that I've done, which is this art of the sword. And it's truly a place where probably one of the best quotes I would say in recent times for me in returns to scripture 
came from Pastor Paul Cantrell when his point was Jesus walked like a samurai. And it's, I think there's a lot of truth to this. There's a lot of balance we have to have in our life, a balance between love, a balance between artistic expression, a balance between the expression of even poetry and words. It's the valuing of what the world is around us that makes the true heart of the warrior. The warrior does not become a warrior simply because he can shoot well or maneuver well. A warrior becomes a warrior because he has a greater level of empathy and compassion for what's around him. He therefore becomes that meek warrior, the meek warrior of the hour. And in this time, what you have seen is you've seen a nation that is learning that path. It's a hard one because we, being a meek warrior means also you're going to carry a lot of abuse upon your shoulders. You're going to take and absorb a lot. And America's done an amazing job. We really reflect on the last years, and I'll, I'll go to particular to 2008 when this insurgency began, and it was really taken, taken us by storm. America tried to be accepting of something that they all knew in their gut was wrong. America had its fragments, which I've engaged with a lot, the people that were considered crazy, even by fellow conservatives, people that were screaming out to the vax damage and people that were screaming out to the issues of chemtrails. These were things that were coalescing beginning in 2008 when the, suddenly the picture was erupting and there, was those, there were those that were gifted with at least the inner knowledge that something was extremely wrong while the entire country was put under a spell. But the interesting thing is America never went to war or civil war. And in spite of all of the attempts to do so over those very difficult eight years under the renegade President Obama, insurgent and traitor, the one who had a man in the White House trying to tell us that he was a woman. Those sorts of illusions and, and deceptions were being used to break the programming of, to break the understanding of truth and, and walk us into a programming of lies. These were all part of the greater deception and mockery of what our system was. These people that went along with that, and there are many, they're deceitful, they're traitors. And to this very day, this is, these are people you can never forget. They must be brought at the end of the day to the justice which God demands. Some of that justice may be simply that those who worship Satan must now bow to the King Jesus. And that's okay with me. And we have to be okay with that in our hearts. But the principal issue here is that as we walk along and we endured this time, we got through this period of time through keeping our focus on faith. And even in difficult hours, this nation never went to civil war. This was their dream. It has been their dream to take this nation to a civil war in such a blood rift that we would never, ever recover, to abuse us with war, to abuse us with, with pandemics and, and disease that they created, to abuse us with shots that they engineered to alter our DNA, to manipulate the minds of people and broken souls so deeply that they would literally walk their children into getting mutilated and do sacrifices to Baal and Moloch. They have accomplished that to a certain degree, but not to the scale that they had wished they had. So much of that centers on the ability of America still to find its roots, and its roots are deep. Its roots ultimately, like it or not, whether people receive it or not, their country was built on the blessings of our Creator, God, Father God. That life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were given to us, not for us to have it taken away, but for us guarantee by God Himself that this was truly something that cannot be stolen unless we was taken from us by us giving it away. Our free will is center to all of this. 
And I think what's most enduring about this entire model and why we've been able to weather this storm so much is those words, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness given to us by our creator. Those concepts are much deeper within our soul than we've ever given credit to. And I do think it's important that we do. We need to praise God, and we do in this moment. We praise God for all that he's given to us and all that he's allowed for us and all the wanderings and misgivings, the grace that he's allowed us as a people of a nation. For nations shall be judged, and nations are judged in the temporal time in which we live, not after death. That refinement, that accountability before the throne is ours personally, but nations are ours collectively, and that's in the time in which we live. And yet God still shows grace upon this nation. And that's something that we all have to praise. And we have to continue to worship into and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise you, Father, because you have given us the grace to stumble because you still believe in us. Right now, we are seeing a rise of great people. We're seeing a rise of great Americans on many levels. We talk about a 231. 231 is an indicator of a greater movement within the nation. And it's an exciting time because that 231 echoes the voice of many that may not have had the avenues or the capability to unify and bring a voice to that level. But nonetheless, America is reawakening and it's getting back to its roots. It's getting back to the strength in faith. It's finding its footing once again on the rock of faith and the belief in worship and Jesus and praise and worship that go along with our daily lives, resetting our focus back to where we need to be to where we live a life where we truly consume ourselves first and foremost with the word and wisdom of our Father, not with the words and wisdoms of fake news and the deception programming that goes around us. But we have to get back to that center again of living in that obedience to him on a daily walk. When we stumble into problems, what we try to do is we try to build our models, and we all do this in one way or another. We bump into something and we start to plan out. I'm great at this, by the way. And it's, it cracks me up when I end up having to go before the throne because I've realized what I've done. But I'll bump into a problem, and the next thing you know, I'll be planning out three, four, five steps ahead, navigating what my reactions will be, looking at what, what the potential movements will be, how will I position here, well, how I will position there. That's all fine and good in a certain level, but we have to get ourselves back to focusing most immediate on the, that which is before us. And so I go back to the samurai. So much as a part of the samurai is to kill the flesh. That's principle to Christianity and to our faith, to destroy that of the flesh and focus on that of the spirit, to be one with the heart of Father, to see the world like Father. And this is literally where we all now have to walk. And we have to work more obediently in this space because the challenges ahead are going to try to pull us in ways that we've never been pulled before. Not because the enemy's winning, but because the enemy's desperate. The enemy is going to throw everything it can at us because in these last hours, in these last throws, and hours and throws by God's terms may be years, but nonetheless, in his time, the enemy has lost. We know the enemy was defeated at the cross, but it's always been the principle of us to bring that victory from the cross into the world. That's our mission. It's never changed. We've been put here behind enemy lines. We've been called here in this hour. We've been called as a remnant to come alive and to be here. Every one of us is in this time and this place because God knew we would be, because God knew he could count on us. And whatever your calling is, this is the hour where the true sense of deliverance, that of not just the concept of deliverance of casting out demons or inner healing, the true cost of deliverance, the, the true concept of deliverance where we step in and understand why we are here, what God's purpose was for us, what that is for us in this hour. 
That's awaiting us. That's truly the awakening of the sons of God that the earth has been trembling and waiting for and screaming out for and saying, where are you? And that hour is now. And that's what the most amazing part about this. But it's not going to be out there somewhere where we're constantly trying to overplan God's movements. We have to stay centered on the word. We have to stay centered in our worship. We have to stay centered on everything that we are as people and as the children of the Most High. So that takes us back to that training and that discipline. And that discipline for us, that sword that the sword master works with, it sits every morning in meditation. It, the, fight, the sword begins on our knees, which is one of the amazing things about this style of swordsmanship that I've studied, which is always so humbling. We begin on our knees. And you begin on our knees and you begin in a prayer and meditation. And then as you reach and you make the first step, your leg steps up and you draw from the sword. And the community of drawing the sword and the stepping of your foot are one. And every motion is perfected. Every motion is simple and perfected. And there's nothing wasted. That's God. Nothing wasted. We waste a lot. I go through a lot of extra movements. We shake around. We, we move things. We go this way. We go that. But God's asking us to stay focused right before him. In martial arts, you call these things katas. In, and these katas are, are patterns which you learn, They're patterns of movements which you drill over and over and over, and you drill them to the point of exhaustion. And there's this lurking question that comes into your mind, well, what will I do if I really get in a fight? Will I be able to fight that fight in terms of a kata? But we miss the point when we ask that question because the kata teaches us a motion of efficiency, of perfection, of drill, of precision, of focus, of staying within the moment so that everything around us becomes more clear. And this is the discipline of our scriptures. This is the discipline of the word that as we stay in that, we stay focused in that over and over. We're reciting the word and we're focusing on the word to understand that what God is giving us are those swords that we need in this world, those katas that we need in every movement we make. Because in that efficiency, we're able to maneuver around the world and not be hit, not be struck, and better yet, to pursue the enemy with decisiveness and lethality to wipe the enemy out. We have to love what God loves and love immensely as God loves. We also have to learn to hate what God hates, but not hate from our heart. These are the most difficult steps, I believe, in everything that we learn. And I think that that scripture, love what God loves and hate what God hates, is probably one of the most difficult ones to consume, to totally understand and embrace. Especially in an hour when everything that we love around us is being besieged. We see that, but we have to look farther into that. We have to start seeing past that. We have to start seeing the wounds of the people that are around us to understand that we have to separate the sin from the sinner. We have to start seeing what has caused them to be where they are and start having the empathy that God has for them to bring them back into kingdom. We have to truly be able to discern that which is wounded and that is which is controlled versus that which is truly pure evil. And God hates pure evil. We have to understand that those that are part of the reprobate mind that have openly rejected God, Romans 1, 13 through 20. 32. We have to see this place where God sees them and we have to embrace them and walk with them and learn to see who we can heal and whom will refuse to be healed. But we also have to remember the part of our role is to seed, to set the seeds of faith in everybody's heart. The samurai is, was a guardian of the kingdom. They would walk and be part of patrols even within and around the community. 
They were respected. They were mighty men. They were counselors for the kings and the, and the regents and the local, local leaders. They were that reminder that if ever the samurai drew the sword, it was for a reason and you must be concerned because if the samurai drew the sword, the sword was not going back in the sheath without blood. This sort of value principle of a true warrior heart is what I speak of so often, the warrior heart that we have to nurture and develop. And it's through scripture and faith and the most mighty sword we can ever wield, that of, our, of, of the faith of God, that of Jesus, that of the words of the gospel. These are the mighty, powerful things that we can wield. But we have to understand as well the intention of what we do, the focus of words, the word, the fact that words have the power of life and death. And again, we get back to that principle. God wastes nothing, so we shouldn't either. Economy of what we speak and focus on intent is greater than many words that say nothing. And being precise in what we do and being precision and focused in every step that we make is part of living truly in the body of Christ. We don't need to waste time. We need to be more more humbled within him and be more gracious and praising him for all that is around us. And in the midst of this chaos, it's so easy to get distracted on the things where we start to talk about the problems that are before us rather than praising God for the gifts that are given to us. We have ideas in our life of what we like, and so we get back to this planning thing. We have a house, say, we have this house, and we dream of remodels, or we dream of having this house with kids and family. We have these things that we can cling on to. And instead of realizing that in the moment God has given us a great gift to participate in, to have, to nurture, we try to plan out farther into the future of what it will be. But the question is really, is that God's vision or is that ours? And I'm just using one simple example of things that are all around our lives. When we stay centered and focused in the immediate, we stay centered and focused on the gifts and those that are around us, we, start, we stop seeing the negative. We start seeing the glory of God manifest in our daily lives in amazing ways. This is literally the heart of a warrior. This is what samurai trained for years to be able to accomplish, to live in the moment in the present. Not to worry about a future marauding enemy or worry about the titles of nobility that may or may not come. This is the moment where the samurai walks as a samurai, unified with the sword and the greatness of who he is and who he's been blessed to be. For he's a counselor, he's a father, he's a lover, he's, a, he's an artist, he's a poet, he's an embracer of life, and he's there in the community. He can sit and have tea. With the lowliest of people, he can sit and have dining. He can dine with the highest in the echelons of power. And he's always still the samurai because he carries the wisdom and of the sword. They understand what he represents. Years of discipline and training to let go of all those things that other people have burdened themselves with. Those, those strap things that hang onto your leg that pull you back. Those concerns about the menialities of life that mean no difference when you really let go. And so in the simple framing of the samurai, he walks in a simple outfit. He carries his sword. He doesn't carry much, if any at all, but his presence is what is there. That's the presence we try to seek as the meek warrior, the presence of the holiness of Christ in our communities. It doesn't matter what we drive. It doesn't matter how we dress. It's always us in unity with Christ as we walk that people truly ultimately see if we have the true faith in him. And when we anchor ourselves in that sort of focus, truly in the moment, we step aside from those emotions of our heart and we start to see the world through the heart of our Father. That's the letting go. That's the burning away, what we call the dross, the separating the dross from the silver. That's destroying and killing the flesh to live greater in the spirit. 
And it's not that our flesh ceases to be. It's that the burdens of the flesh, the worrisome things that are there that the world has swirled around us to tell us over and over and over, all of these things that we must be stops being of an influence in our present. Instead, we are walking in unity with the heart of Father. This is the glorious time in which we live. And so that takes us truly to what I believe is Galatians 6. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such as one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. And there it is. We are walking in a place where our relationship and everything that we encounter is ultimately for us to unify that with the heart of Father. We have to find the heart of Father in everything that we do. And right now, it's more critical than ever. It is an amazing hour in which we live. We see things developing. We see things looking around. People are starting to get excited again. But I'm not, honestly, I think people are getting excited for some of the wrong things. We know that Trump won in Iowa yesterday, and people are celebrating. And they're saying, yes, look at what Iowa did. Look at the success of the election. And there's this hope now that's coming about. The hope isn't Trump. The hope should always and, should and will always be the true sense of our Father working. And if we're going to get technical and, and really detailed about what happened in Iowa, my first response would be, we just witnessed a hack that was rehacked, meaning the deep state tried to take it. We know that the good guys somewhere took it back. It doesn't mean it's legitimate. It just means that this is a war and that our, our candidate or the person that we see as potentially most capable of bringing this nation back to a point where we can continue the fight is back in play. Is that God's hand? More likely. Does that mean Trump's anointed? Probably not. But it means that God's using the people and listening to our hearts as we pray. That's the victory we need to be celebrating. Not this, it's not the celebration of a party and not the celebration of a parent or a person. We continue. The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then... While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. That's the meek warrior. And that's truly back to the samurai. The art of a sword that I study is called Iaido. And Iaido is a very fascinating sword study because it, it has to do with the drawing of the sword, not just the movements of kata through the air and through standing. And it's principally built on an interesting engagement. It's principally built from the, from the idea that you're sitting on your knees, as in traditional Japanese style, on a low table, across from another person who is themselves on their knees. You begin all things from that position, and you're having tea. This is literally the framing of, of Iaido in its principal sense. How do you defend yourself if a person across the table draws the sword while having tea and you're sitting on your knees? That's 
the movements that it begins with. We begin humbly from our knees and we fight upward. That's in our faith. We begin us fight on our knees. And in the metaphors that are there, they're profound because what you learn in the art of Iaido is that in the place that seems least capable, the place that seems least defensible or even offensive capable, you learn that you are strongest starting from your knees and drawing the sword to step in and to strike and to cut then to rise and to d- deliver the decisive blow and then to very mentally quietly return that sword and return to your knees in the meditation of tea. This is the centering of the warrior, the warrior to understand that even in the times of chaos, even in the times of seeming like that there is no defeat, that there's no possible for victory, but only defeat is there. We have the greatest strength the greatest strength to lean into the enemy, to rise up with the power in the word of God. And that is our blow. That is your strike and cut. But the warrior doesn't return to the T with vengeance in his heart, nor does he strike with vengeance in his heart. This is truly a moment where the warrior strikes with righteousness. And this, again, is one of those great lessons that we have to continue to focus on. Our practice and discipline in the word needs to be as disciplined as a martial arts study. And to understand that what you're, be given, what you're being given are the words and the tools to sharpen your blade. Iron sharpens iron. And in this case, it's the Bible reading you as you read the Bible to sharpen your blade. And those gifts that are given are the gifts to allow you to focus on an enemy, to face an enemy, no matter how rancid, how d- deceitful, but not to have anything other than love and compassion in your heart. So one says, well, how can you possibly strike a blow if you have love and compassion in your heart? Because at a certain point, one of a few things can happen. At one point, God has never asked us to allow the enemy in any form to abuse us or to kill us. That's not the case. And unfortunately, this is a bit of distortion in some of the way Scripture is often taught, is that somehow the idea that Christ being sacrificed on the cross was him doing what God wanted for us to all die before the enemy. No, that was one of the greatest ambushes ever in the history of humankind. Because what Christ understood is that through his death that he baited the enemy into, ultimately, the enemy became so arrogant and so evil that through his death, which they thought was going to kill him, All they did was destroy the flesh to kill the flesh to awaken the power of the spirit, which then freed all of us from the contracts through his blood. Our roles are at times like Peter in the garden where the attacking comes and we notice that Peter draws the sword to cut off the ear to save the life, but to stay the attack. But at the end of that lesson, we're taught that Christ shows us even a greater way. That through the power of Holy Spirit, through the power of our belief in our Father, through the true sense of the authorities given to us in Christ, he can heal the ear and save the soul. Our weapons of warfare are mighty, and it isn't to not to walk away from the sword. In fact, the great thing about the sword is we carry the sword of steel is we're reminded that the sword of steel is highly limited, that you can never kill a demon with a sword of steel. You might defend your life, but never will you get to the core root of the greatest threat that we face at this point in time. And that is of the true evil that has corrupted the minds and hearts of so many. Those tools of war are deeply embedded in all of our scripture to understand again what it is that God's giving us as a way to win and to keep a humbled and meek heart in the process. Our enemy feeds on the idea of seeding hatred within us. There would be nothing greater in an enemy's mind in the the art of a samurai than to provoke the samurai to anger. 
and a samurai that would be provoked to anger, to strike in anger, would lose his title of samurai. He would no longer be recognized because his anger led the blade, and he would be seen as an outcast to the art, an outcast to the role and to the class of people. They were there to be noble. They were there to be that neutral place, to be overseers of communities, to be the wisdom that would, would give advice to kings and counselors, and yet at the same time the humility of that to be able to thresh the wheat or, or separate the rice with the locals. That was their walk, a doer of many things. And that should be our pursuit. That's Jeremiah 6.16, this pursuit of the ancient paths. There's much more in that scripture and verse than just us learning how to be self-sufficient. It's us learning the art of living and being tied to the land and getting our hands dirty and to understand the stewardship of the earth which God gave us to steward. And in this process, as we become greater in thee, we are literally in the, in the art of Jeremiah 6.16, this principal verse, which was given in this, this whole community. It was it's become the verse of Bard's Nation since Bard's Fest of 2021, a message delivered to me by our prayer team, and which one I've held to over and over. What God has been guiding us to do is to become the samurai of our time. That's the remnant a powerful place to walk where we become skilled in many things, not so that we necessarily become masters of one thing, but that our knowledge and richness is that we become part of our communities to raise them up. We have the knowledge and know-how not only to take care of ourselves, but to help others raise up to greater levels than we could ever imagine. We have the knowledge to guide people and point people where they need to go. And ultimately, all of that roots in Scripture, but then it takes its form in the real world. When we talk about prepping and we talk about things like defense and militias and these sorts of things, they're all pieces. They're not the one thing. They're all part of us understanding the roles that we have in a society that are very real. We've become very lethargic in this modern age. We, we turn to the, to the police. We turn to the lawyers. We turn to the courts. We turn to everything other than ourselves and our communities to solve the problem. And we don't do a good job of sitting across from our fellow man to engage in the truths that need to be spoken from the heart to resolve the problems one-on-one. -on -one. We try to find agents and proxies to do it for us. God didn't build us that way, and that's not God's kingdom. And so part of walking that place of the samurai is not only for us to be able to engage, engage directly in truth, but to be able to do so without the malice, the hatred, the fear, the anxieties of our own heart, to speak truth from a humble place that is truly Holy Spirit speaking to us with the eyes of Father, knowing that he seeks to restore and bring people back, not to destroy and punish. Because when God's wrath strikes, it is total and complete. I would say that's one thing that we would never, ever wish to see. And though you've even heard me joke about it, the fact of the matter is, there is nothing that we ever want to witness in the true sense of God's wrath. And we should be reminded of that in Sodom and the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah or even Jericho, where when God's wrath is there, it is total and complete. Jericho, they killed every man, woman, child, and donkey. Nothing was left. That's God's wrath. That isn't something we should wish on anyone or any place. And as frustrated as we get, even with those who have done us harm in this nation, we need to seek the repentance heart that we know that they may have and seek to do that and then to literally let God do the rest of that work. That's where we come from as warriors in this fight to say, Father, we will walk in this world because we trust in you so much. We have our faith in you so much that we know if we abide in what you've told us to do, to love thy neighbor, to reach out and to seek those and to bring them to kingdom, to see the betterness in their heart as you seek for us, that ultimately you will guide us to bringing them back. And if they are not 
as we seek them, you will expose them, and it will be the hand of your justice that will lead ultimately to where they need to be. But God doesn't seek to kill. God seeks to restore because he's a loving and gracious father. So again, if God's wrath strikes, it means it is pure evil. And that gets back to those words, love what God loves, hate what God hates. But that hate is very refined and very narrow in this world, not broad like we're conditioned to believe. And a true warrior that walks with a sword understands that. The sword is a unique instrument of war because it's connected to your hand. It never leaves. It's not like a bullet that you can fire and forget. It's connected with everything in your body. The true art of the sword, you connect with the blade from the tip to the hilt all the way to your toe. Everything about your body movement ties in with the movement of that sword. It's a precision in- instrument. When it's drawn and pulled, it is. there's never a safety. The only safety that that sword has is your control and your focus. Unlike lifting a firearm where you can take the, take the ammo out of the firearm, you can have the firearms click and shoot, you can do all these sort of practice drills without ever having to release a round, that's not with a sword. Not if you're using a true blade, because every single time you draw that blade, that blade is hot, that edge is sharp. Anything you do then can cause damage. And so you carry yourself differently, you think differently. And if you're going to draw the sword in anger, you understand that to draw that sword in anger, the only way it goes back is with blood. And in some cultures, I even believe that so deeply that if they drew the sword and it was not used for, for fighting and to, without use for causing damage or whatever, they'd have to cut themselves to return it back to the sheath. See, that's the depth of commitment that we need to be making in our walk in life. That if we are truly going to raise up the, the forces of, of terror and, and, and weapons of war that we are capable of carrying in our heart, that sort of destructive force in our thoughts and our prayers, we have to understand the responsibility and accountability to that. And so it's there that we have to walk within the true sense of meekness, the power of the humble warrior. That as we walk in this place, it is never about vengeance. It is always about restoration. And it's never about destroying somebody else. It is about accountability and love that God can bring through that. And we would love nothing more than to be able to bring these people to accountability that we have done this harm. And even if that accountability means that it is their death in this mortal life, by the laws given and the guidance given by God, it is still our goal to see them repent up into the final moment. Because it's there, it is our goal to return them to heaven, not to see them dispel and off to the pits of hell. That's a different heart that we have. And I think when we see this in film, for example, we go to, say, Western films where you see in the Western, they love to play this up, where there's like people being hanged and the, the preacher comes up and he's holding the Bible and he says, do you have any last words? And tries to get them to repent. And we always see the person saying, no, no, I'm, I'm fine and there's no repentance. We've missed the entire point. It should be a great sorrow when we see that. Because what we're trying to see and what we're trying to do in our life, even at the last breaths of the individual, is to bring them home to Christ. Forgiveness. That's the forgiving heart, the loving heart, the heart of a true warrior. And so we're back to the samurai. I don't think people realize the training that a samurai goes through. They learn to do calligraphy, which in the Japanese art of calligraphy is learning to write characters with a brush and ink. They learn to do flower arrangements. They learn to do the delicacy of of this minimalist flower arrangements that express the depth of the unity of what's truly in our world, not the structures of things that are material and entice the emotions of the flesh. They learn to farm. 
They learn to sew. They learn to put make fabric. They learn to make paper. They learn to do all of these things in their life, even poetry and writing. They learn to do the many arts of life outside of the arts of the sword because the art of the sword reflects the art of the heart and the loving of the heart because a true heart that's free truly can be so profound that it creates a freedom in the movement of the blade. When the blade is drawn from a samurai, again, it's not drawn with vengeance. That blade will ultimately fail. The blade that's drawn from the heart of a meek warrior is a blade that is able to now maneuver before them and make the precise decisions of how to cut and where to strike the blow. And not every blow has to be fatal. I go back to Peter in the garden. It's a brilliant moment, a moment that most people miss in reading it because they've never studied the sword. Peter's movement of striking off the ear saved the life. And as a sword master in that scene, Jesus shows him the true mastery of our faith. That as Peter slices off the ear to save the attack and keep Jesus safe, Jesus reminds him that there's something greater. And that greater is to heal the ear again and to restore this person to kingdom and to save a soul. We have a long road ahead of us that's going to take generations, to be honest with you. And it's going to be difficult paths. And there's going to be times that the world seems to be ungodly burdened. And we're going to be having to ask ourselves, what is it, Father, that you need from us? So we're going to close with Galatians. See with large letters, I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make good, showing in the flesh, try to compel you to circumcise simply so that you will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that you may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that you would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and to the world. For neither the circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. For those who will walk by, the, by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now, no, for now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be, the, be your spirit, brethren. Amen. It is a powerful concept that what we tend to do is we tend to try to find the things in our life that will be that metaphorical circumcision. And instead, we miss the place that what we need to be having is the word of God branded upon our heart and in all things that we do. So in this great moment right now, frustrations be or even celebration of small victories, never, ever forget to place that victory to where it's right. It's within the heart of God and seek in everything that we do the true heart of our Father. Even in the most difficult times, even when you're faced off with somebody face-to-face that you really have no patience for, you may even feel disdain in your heart. But that's the heart of us. That's not the heart of Father. We have to see through that person. We have to see the separate the sin from the sinner. We have to see the demon versus the human and the flesh. We have to see the wounds of time that brings that person to there, that place to understand that there's something greater that could be if we can reach them with the words and the healing that we are given as tools to do, authorities, in fact, of this world. And when we truly get to that place to appreciate those walks, we find that there's a lot less evil and a lot more good. 
We find that there's a lot more rescue going on and restoration than there is slaying and destroying. Rescue, heal, restore. The three words given to us for Operation Vineyard that will continue to be the predominant words of everything we do. Rescue, heal, and restore. And so what we're really here to do is what the samurai's role has always been, to rescue to rescue those around them from the moments of despair in their heart, to rescuing them from the marauding bands that try to take over a village. The samurai steps in as that voice of wisdom, that confident place of knowing in a humble way that no matter what, what comes at me, I'm fearless. And even if I give my life to that moment fearlessly, those around me will be inspired by the commitment which I gave, not fearful to raise each other up as I walk because of the years of experience or even for the months, it matters not the time, the absorption that I have in the art of the word and the glory of kingdom that now rests upon my heart is the wisdom in which I walk in in this world. Let those be inspiration, the light that people need to raise up, not about to condemning them or forcing them into one way, making them feel guilty because they don't read the book, making them feel guilty or that they're going to be condemned to go to hell because you didn't go to church on time. That's not faith. That's not the walk of Jesus. It's to walk in the presence and the unity with our Father, the heart of the Father. And people can see so glorifully what it is that they're, they're witnessing that they seek it and they ask, how do I become like that? How do I find that for myself? And that's the gift. A person that witnesses a samurai, a young child, would be inspired to be a samurai. Just like a person that witnesses a man that walks with a green beret are inspired to be a green beret. We need to be that. And as we walk in this world in the challenging times we are, if we position ourselves not with arrogance but with humility, asking Father to guide us in these ways, we become the change agents of magnitude that evil can never stop. Because it's not about what we do against evil. It's the hearts that we inspire to stand against evil and to become mighty in this hour. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you today for this assembly and fellowship which we have as we truly honor our Savior and King Jesus in such a magnificent way to reflect on him in a different framing as one of a samurai, one who walks in a meek way, one that carries the mightiness and deadliness of the sword of steel and yet understands the delicacy of a flower, the perfection of a stroke with a pen or a brush, the beauty of the words of a poet, the compassion of a father holding a newborn. Father, we pray that heart upon all, the heart, a true heart of a meek warrior, the heart of a warrior that can now sit in this world in such a profound way to see that the evil becoming that comes at us, we must separate from the people that walk around us, that we must be the inspiration, the light, the word to raise people up and to understand that it is through that power of the word, the blessings and authorities given to us that we truly lead and raise up a society as the princes and the priests of our time. So Father, we pray into this moment of the awakening of the true sons of God. Let the earth shake and celebrate in the glory of knowing that the sons of God are now coming alive, awake, standing into the hour in which we've been called to see truly the gift and reason why we are here. And so, Father, we pray that as well, that the true sense of deliverance will touch in everybody's heart, a deliverance of seeing who we are and why we are here. And in that realization moment, may it be understood very clearly of our purpose and in so free us from the bondages of things that we've been tailored, being anchored with as we walk in this path of life. 
those wounds over time, those demonic connections that we've made, whether intentionally or unintentionally, when we seek our true purpose and see it within our heart as the gift of this prayer we are asking, let it be so profound that we are delivered from the darkness and brought into the light with the true purpose of kingdom and the humility of the meek warrior upon our heart. Guide us in this hour, Father. Lift us up. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are so wonderful as people, and we need to celebrate the successes and not dwell on the failures. So I go back where I begin. Our country over the last number of years, a lot of years, unfortunately, too many, 15, 16 years now of enduring fights where we went through insurgency, we've, been, we've seen the destruction, the humiliation, the, the pains, the sufferings, the tortures that have endured. The country still did not go to civil war. We didn't turn the blade on each other's throat as much as the enemy tried to do. The enemy hired agents provocateur to stimulate violence, to attack us, to humiliate us, to throw things at us, spit at us, beat us. The enemy waged war against us using their trust and our trust in them to be able to get us to inject as a population deadly, deadly substances within our body to try to destroy children, convince people to abort children, to have people mutilate their children. All of these things the enemy has done. And yet, we still stand. Yes, we're battered and torn a bit. But that's easily fixed. All we have to do is turn to Father and ask for restoration, which every one of us should be doing. But in that process, we need to be celebrating the glory of what he's given us and to realize who we truly are within that moment. We are far more resilient than the enemy has ever admitted or wants to admit. We are far greater than the enemy can ever imagine. And it's what they fear the most because in spite of all their efforts, they continue to fail. And the more that they press, the deeper we turn and go into our faith. So go deep, read the word, become the word, let become one with scripture as a sword, as a sword master, as a samurai becomes one with his blade, become one with the blade of the spirit. And in so doing, become that mighty warrior, that meek warrior that doesn't have to speak as much as they have to be. And when we accept that the words that we speak are truly that of a sword, how we choose those words are intentional and, 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 and important principle to the way we walk. We need to say less and be more within the heart of God. And as we see the world through God's eyes and we seek his heart in everything we do, we ourselves are humbled. We ourselves are put through the furnace. Meshach and Bendigo. We are literally burned and all that, all that is not him is burned away. All that is him is refined. And then the silversmith then begins the work to reforge us in the perfection of his image for us. Let us be that walk. That's the challenge, the greatest gift we've ever been given, to awaken truly to whom we truly are within his heart. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Tonight we have Cam Hamilton, Navy SEAL on. I think you'll enjoy that interview immensely. He's running for office in Virginia 7 for Congress. And I think he's going to be an incredible addition and a warrior in, the, in Capitol Hill that people are going to fear. He's got the heart of this type of warrior we talked today, humble, meek, and yet powerful when he wields his sword. So I'll see you tonight. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. 
we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. 
We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.